It's game time, heroes. Welcome to the Outlaws Outpost. Welcome, heroes, to the Outlaws Outpost, your unofficial guide to the best Overwatch League team. Brought to you by the Surly Nerd Podcast and the official Houston Outlaws supporter group here in Austin, the Lone Star Vanguard. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, we have the producer of this fine show, Tony. Howdy. And as always, we have our third chair host, Hector. Yo. And we have a very special guest on the panel this week. Would you like to introduce yourself? I would, yes. My name's Noe. How's it going? All right. And uh, what's your experience with Overwatch? What brings you to the panel today? So I've been following it since season one, so more of, or less. Of the game, uh, yeah, yeah, the game, the game since yeah since all started, and you know, been playing it since its release. I actually bought the collector's edition. Wow, super! So fancy. I got yeah, I got that you know there and I early like the game. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's right. a, it's a big jump from TF2 for sure. All right, yeah. were you a player <laughs> before Owl, or is it was it the Overwatch League that got you into the game? Oh, no, I was a player before. Yeah, uh, yeah. he yeah, sounds like a, he, he was the early adopter, so he jumped right in. Nice. Yep. So for those of you new to our show, what the heck is the Outlaws Outpost? Well, it just so happens that our favorite Overwatch League team is the Houston Outlaws, and we have way too much to say about them. So here we are, ready to chat and debate all things Outlaws. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about things from the first two weeks of Stage 3, but let's recap for the folks at home. So the Overwatch League begins, and coming right out the gate, the Outlaws were seen as the underdogs of the Overwatch League, right? Very much so. Yeah, no, they they uh, they were seen as the well. They were this is the weird part. They were seen as underdogs, but they were like the U.S. team at, at the championship. A lot of the players did come from like, in the World mm-hmm. Cup. Like yeah, they, they right, were the yeah. U.S. Like half the team was from the U.S. World Cup team. Right. And it's like, oh, but those are the underdogs. They're not. They're not really. They're not going to be top of the game. It's oh. true, but the early <laughs> predictions said that the Houston Outlaws probably weren't going to be making it as big as everybody else. No, absolutely. Their their lineup was a their lineup was a lot of uh, like uh, if you took like the top half of Overwatch players and you took the middle of that, that's where most of our players were. And since a lot of the other teams were made up almost entirely of league top players like uh, the London Spitfire and obviously New Seoul. York Excel. Yeah, and, and New York New York Excel. Uh, they, they weren't seen as much of a contender. They weren't even conce- seen as a contender to, say, teams like Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. And uh, now... Dallas I mean, was thought to be top tier oh, yeah. before this whole thing started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took quite the left turn. Yeah. So not only do the Houston Outlaws just come out swinging, but they make it all the way to the Stage 1 playoffs and manage to barely lose to the London Spitfire from what we can only guess was absolute exhaustion from having to play their games back-to-back the way they did. Yep. I mean, they'd already been practicing that that morning, Mm -hmm. and then they had to go and do an entire, like, hour-and-a-half set and then do another hour-and-a-half set immediately afterwards. That's, I mean, they, I mean, they practice about eight to ten hours a day, but yeah. that's still exhausting at the level that they're playing at. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we not so going into stage two. Not only do we get our revenge for the playoffs against London right at the beginning of stage two, but then after that, stage two doesn't really go as well as we had hoped. We had multiple losses back to back. We had a strong showing at the end of stage two, but it just wasn't quite enough to get us in the playoffs, right? No, no, it was enough to bring us. We lost so badly at the beginning of stage two that the like uh, the 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 second win that we got, that really we did very well towards the end of uh, that stage, only really got us back up into the middle. 
It's true. Yeah, there was there was a chance that we would have gone to the playoffs, but it required uh, some teams that would were not going to win to win, mm-hmm. and that would have ch- disrupted the the order, and we would have gone into the, the stage two playoffs. But it, it didn't tough. happen. Yeah, really we got tough. close though. We, was, we did get close. We came back swinging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was almost a comeback. Like we we fought into the playoffs really for stage hard. Two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that brings us to the main topic for the show this week, and that's the beginning of stage three. So we open the week with a battle against the London Spitfire, and it seems to be an ongoing trend of us facing off against them in week one. And we open the week in fifth place, you know, of, of the total ranking, so not bad. And this win against London showed us that we were kind of really back in fine form. And I don't think there's been really any time that London has played the Houston Outlaws that I haven't been absolutely glued to the match. Yeah, they play really great games against each other. It's almost kind of a nemesis thing. Yeah, and so like London takes Anubis, and uh, then in Blizzard World, Links are in profit. You know, uh, are just like trading blows back and forth, and the Outlaws take Blizzard World. But what I did want to mention here, the reason I wanted to mention Blizzard World for a minute, is that going into Stage 3, teams didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the Blizzard World map. And for Houston to come out guns blazing was super impressive. I think that was one of the great things about Blizzard World that early for us uh, playing it against uh, um, London was because no one was prepared. There is no set meta for how you're supposed to play Blizzard World yet. And that confusion is still going on even now, because now we're in, like, I think week three, and we'll discuss that in the next podcast. Um, And you can still see every single team confused on what they're supposed to do in Blizzard World. Mm -hmm. Nobody plays it the same. Everybody does it a little bit differently, and it's kind of chaos. Do you play towards the front of point A? Do you you dive back? Yeah, do you 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 stay at the statue? Do you play the point? Do you play around the corner? Yeah, no one knows where to hold it, because there are so many little ways to get around choke points in that map. Yeah, it's almost like there's no choke point in that first point because there's like three ways of going about it. And mm-hmm. aside from where to hold is what to hold with, right? So either anti-dive or counter-dive and, you know, peop- I mean, the teams are still mixing it up. Mm-hmm. And right, and, and with Blizzard World, there's uh, two little tunnels on either side of the control point that Tracer can get around very easily. It's much easier on the outside edge. Tracer can literally get to the back of the map if she wanted to and disrupt if they're sitting on the control point. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to see that no team plays it exactly the same. I think what's fascinating about it is that Blizzard World is kind of hailed as like, one of the most hated maps. Yes, in, it is the Overwatch. worst map. It is the right. it yeah. is the worst a, a, map. A lot of people don't like it, but when we watched Houston play this match, I mean, dang if they didn't try and you know, make it their own. They were just like, by the way, you know, Blizzard's world's here, and we're just going to put our stamp on it like right now. I would love that from them because we already know that like so Eichenwald yeah, and Junk- my favorite map and uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite maps too. Eichenwald and Junkrat are like Junkertown and no Junkertown. Junk- Junkrat in Eichenwald is oh. so oh. much fun. Can oh, confirm because yep. it, it, unless there's a Farah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot of fun to play. And Junkertown, those are the two maps. There's like don't fuck with us. Sorry, I'm not supposed to curse. <laughs> um, it's all right. It happens. Uh, don't go after us because we're going to take you down. This is, these are our maps. You're not allowed to play in our field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just a quick question. What do you think about the, uh, the Blizzard world in terms of like, how the Outlaws approach it? Do you think it's a, that we are one of maybe the stronger teams in the Overwatch League in terms of taking Blizzard world? Yeah, I think they're pretty solid. I mean, I think they know what, you know, what to pick and how to go about it, at least on the offense. Mm-hmm. Defense, they're still, I think, still trying to figure it out. They're still struggling as, you a know, bit. As pretty much any other team, how to defend, you know, the first point and 
The second point, even, like, I think it's one of the hardest to defend in that map because you can just, the attacking team can just snowball so quickly because of how open it is and how one mistake can, you know, just. Yeah, one good one good everything. snipe can change yeah, the exactly. entire play of the game, and that works for uh, a control point and getting to B. Um, yeah. If you have a sniper on defense, you can stop. You can really shut down the enemy team from getting to the control point. If it, depending on how they play, and then with B, there's so many lanes to shoot yeah. in such a long shot. So snipers open. can stay in the yeah. back. Yep. It's it's great. Yeah, I think the defending team there can get can be split so easily. Mm-hmm. That That's very true. you know they can just get shaky, and the attacking team can just take advantage of that and just roll with it. Yeah. So we take Nepal, and London takes Route 66, and we go to Map 5. And this is exactly what I was talking about earlier. When London and Houston play, it's always so intense. Real quick for the panel, can we talk about how much more improved our control point game is in Stage Three? It's gotten there. I mean, it's improved definitely. Uh, I think there's still more room to grow. But like going into the earlier stages, we had a problem with control points. Yeah, no, oh, yes, control yeah. points where we like, except for this period where we four out everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after that, it was control point was, and even during the four part, that was the point where we struggled the hardest. Mm. Was getting a control point to just stay, just stay on the control point, guys. Yeah. Just like for the love of God, <laughs> we, give us a control. Stop point. going. We'd have we'd have maps. It would go back and forth and back and forth, and we'd be ninety nine ninety nine. It would just be horrible to watch because it's nobody. I mean, ugh. Yeah, it's true. But it, it, it does seem like Houston has really been kicking up their control point game, mm-hmm. and that's been nice to see. And, I mean, a lot of it, it obviously, is a team effort, but you've seen, like, Muma really get in there, hold it down, not overextend. You know, there's a lot of factors that have gone into their improvement in the control point game. But, yeah, going into the beginning of Stage 3, it was just like, dang, like, the synergy's there. I feel like we're getting this on lockdown, and we'll be able to move forward being a lot stronger in control points than we were previously. So, with that, with that out of the way, game two of week one, we go against Boston. And, oh, of course, Boston. this is one of the top that Overwatch match. League <laughs> yeah. teams, mm-hmm. right? And it was such a hard match for the Outlaws. I mean, at first, they like pract- Boston practically walks all over us on Anubis and Nubani. The, the curse of the control point we were just talking about comes back on Nepal. Boston takes it and just locks up that week one just by shutting us down on Junkertown. We didn't even get a map against Boston. Mm. Like that was like after we like had that great showing against London, we go into Boston and it's just like, guys, what happened? London, which is a team that you would get to choose over Boston yeah, that we can right, pretty yeah. much shut down pretty well. And then Boston just kind of steamrolled us and... I just I, I hated watching that. I hated yeah. reading about it afterwards. It yeah. just it made me sad. I was just, well, I was, was upset for a day. I mean, watching that match, they just they had our number. Everything that we did when we tried to adjust, they they knew what we were I, running. I, and they I do us. not want to get political on the podcast, obviously, and I do not want to bring up uh, certain negative things. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of what happened with Boston that felt like Dream Casper was just running. Running us into the ground. Yeah, yeah. No, like Dream Casper yeah. was, yeah, was sniping the crap out of everybody. Yeah, and specifically Linkser. Just like Linkser wasn't oh, yeah. just allowed, basically wasn't allowed to play yeah, the entire no, that, time. Th- those sniper fights were ugly, mm-hmm. and that that uh, that really changed the direction of how that match was has gone, and how Boston has played since then. Right. Since that player is no longer in Correct. the league. Correct. 
Um, so it was really unfortunate. Like when Junkertown came up, I know that we'd already been three out at that point, and I was like, you know, Junkertown's kind of one of our good maps. Like maybe this will we'll at least get a map on Boston. Yeah. And then I don't know. It just kind of all went south really quick. Yeah, I think at that point the players weren't feeling like that confident. You know, mm-hmm. the outlaws in their own skills. I mean, which they obviously can you know outplay Boston, but. I think at that point it was just mostly a mental game. Yeah, yeah. there's there two game. kinds of attitude you can take into a map four where you're already three down. Mm-hmm. You can either go, we're going to go in here and we're going to try our best. We're going to do everything we can, figure out what we're doing wrong. Maybe turn the tide, even though we've already lost. Mm-hmm. Or not. Basically the opposite of that. And, I mean, after getting beaten that handily three maps in a row, I might not be ready to take my A game into map four. You kind of feel like it, it, this self-defeat kicks in. You're like, we've already lost, so yeah. what's the point in even trying? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the Overwatch League about that, right? Like, the why go to a map four? Obviously, it's needed for the map di- differential to make right. sure that there, you... there are points in play that are, make up what the uh, what who goes into the finals at the end of every stage. That's right. why we have to play all four maps. Yeah, and, th- and the problem is, is, like, where does that motivation you know, how do you get that motivation going into map four when you're already down three zero? You know, it just it, it can crush the morale of the team essentially. For sure. And but I don't think that that's what happened with the outlaws in Boston. Um, it it may have hurt them a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think there's just a lot of it that. You know, Boston probably spent the time and put the time in to, to study a lot of, you know, our players. And for somebody like Dream Casper to come in and really shut down somebody like Lynx or that. That's what breaks the morale internally, right? right. Even if you're going into Junkertown thinking we're going to win this, mm-hmm. as soon as he gets that pick off, you're like, shit, we are down a man this early. Like, how do we come back for that? How do we compensate for that? And it's it becomes a struggle at that point. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about, especially with like Dreamcasper and Linkser, if someone took the time to study all the maps that they know you're going to play, where you like to stand when you're sniping, where you like to move to when you're pressured... You have to be completely unpredictable, which puts you completely out of your element, mm-hmm. which is a hard place to play from. Especially because a lot of these teams do practice, you know, you know, their teamwork as far as like how do we move together as a team, you know, check all of our positioning at all times. I mean, in the moment that somebody like Dreamcasper gets a, a, an early pick, that mm-hmm. kind of throws the strategy out the window, right? Yeah. One of the things that they, uh, I've been watching the um, the behind the scenes uh, YouTube series thing that they've been doing for Houston Outlaws called uh, Focus. The focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, one of the things that you notice at the very beginning when they're going, when they're in stage one, that a lot of their wins, they said, we never gave away any of our strategies. That we kept winning, but we never had to, we only stuck with the main strategy. We never had to switch to B or C or anything else. And that worked during stage one. Unfortunately, during stage two, it feels like they had to show off more of what their strategies were. And then now going into stage three, some teams like Boston picked up on that and they said, oh, this is what they're doing. They were able to go back and watch the tapes and see how uh, Houston would modify their play depending on if a person was down or where they were coming in from. I think that. And remember that all of our players, you know, every player in the OWL almost, you know, streams on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, they go in and maybe they're not scrimming with the team, but they're on Twitch. They're playing. You know, you can sit there and watch Muma for hours play Reinhardt, mm-hmm. but you can sit there and study that. You can watch how Muma approaches every map with Reinhardt and go, I think I know what he's going to do. Right. And if they, if those uh, Twitch streamers uh, created VODs, you could have 
hundreds and hundreds of hours of just video to study mm-hmm. from a first person perspective on how a player plays. And you know that's what the coaches are doing. The coaches, oh, yeah. are, the coaches in their downtime. They'd be stupid. Not it's not even the coaches. The coach. I mean, think about how much money these teams are spending. They can literally hire five people to watch every single stream and every video vod that they've made. For hours and hours. That's their job. And they do write down every single note. Basically, assistant coaches do do this. It's, not, it's plausible no, no, no. that their teams are doing this. No, you're right. Yep. It's, it's completely plausible, but it's not just that. You know, when I get up in the morning, what my morning ritual is I get up, I take a shower, I go in the kitchen, I start making breakfast. The first thing I do when I'm making breakfast is I got a TV in the kitchen, I turn it on, and I turn it on YouTube. And you know what I watch on YouTube? Other personalities who sit there and evaluate Overwatch games and discuss strategy and what's gone down in these games, and they're all breaking it down right there. There for everybody to see. Yep. And some of them who do that are either pro players or pro streamers. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, it's just an intelligent move to sit down and, and watch this YouTube video that somebody's dissolved down to 15 minutes worth of gameplay and show the overextension. So show what, you know, Houston's been using the same strategy for months and months and months. This is why they got shut down. I mean, notice that like um, in stage three, uh, Junkrat is not showing up near as much because we created the, the Junkrat meta during stage one. Yeah. Stage two, everybody was using it and it was a cluster of chaos yeah. mm-hmm. trying to not say something uh, <laughs> and um you see now in stage three it, jake's not playing as 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 junk rat so right. it's like now he does, he's, he does now have doing, junk rat time he, but it's time not, but he's spending more time on tracer time. it's he's been more time on tracer he's spending a lot more time on tracer yeah. actually mm-hmm. it feels like uh, more of a last resort you know to yeah this is junk rat. Right, he's just, just focus, to stop tracer dive. genji yeah, no, and, and it's actually something that I've, that's, I personally, that's what I do. Now I, I'll start with a different character and realize, like, okay, if they took point A, I'm switching over to the character that I know I can destroy their tanks with really fast, so they I can't think, take point I B. I think a lot of Overwatch players do that. I mean, like, when I go into a lot of games, you know, and I'm playing in competitive, I'll go in there and, you know, at point A, I'll, like, I'll play Arisa or a Winston, and then if things start getting really tight, like, I'm like, all right, busting out Reinhardt right now. Like that's my. I'm. We're already getting pushed back. I'm gonna go in there, hammer some shit, and try and bring. All right, this, bring is, it back. this is, might be more my man crush on Jake then, because like, <laughs> like he'll start with Soldier and I start with Soldier, and then we'll get annoyed and switch over to the thing that we like, which is Junkrat. Yeah. And then we'll just go. Well, now it's the end of your life because we're just going to bomb you to death. Right. See, and this is where my. It's not exactly a one trick. It's more like a one slot. But if I can't play Junkrat, like if he's not going to be effective in the composition I'm playing in, mm-hmm. I play support. Yeah. It's like, I'll either be a great support or you know I'm going to play junk. I don't, I don't want to yeah. side tangent <laughs> us too much from just the outlaws discussion, but there's a lot of talk uh, within the overwatch community of like, what can we do to like make competitive play better? Mm-hmm. And some people are throwing out the idea of like, you know, doing game bans, right? Like, like they do in like league of legends where you can ban certain characters mm-hmm. or they're saying like queuing as a certain. So Symmetra is like role. never allowed. Queuing, like queuing is a role. Man, people are doing I would that. love that. But the thing is when we talk about overwatch, one of the fundamental important things about Overwatch mm-hmm. is how dynamic it is, right? Yeah. You can start off the game as a junk rat, but if that's not working, you can become no, I'll a switch over. I'll switch over to Moira because it's another character that I enjoy. But if mm-hmm. I chose just a support character, if I had that little, you know, the defense character slot, right. mm-hmm. I don't have a healer that I can just go, well, now I can drain health and heal everybody. Well, see, and maybe like, that's option. the thing. Maybe you queue as a role selected, so it tries to pair people 
ready and willing to play a certain role. But obviously, once you get in game, the whole point of Overwatch is that you can switch your character at any time. Yeah. So you still have that flexibility, but yeah, you, you kind of know. But when you're going you think about into. things like the map that you're on, mm-hmm. how do you queue for a map that you know is better for triple tank instead of? Doing the generic two two two. Oh, I I don't think you should ever probably be just the nature of the game be able to queue for a map specifically. Not in no, that's what I'm saying mode. is that you don't know the map until you get in. True. So how do you queue for a map that you don't know what the best strategy is? Oh well, I mean, strategy regardless, you're always going to need the Holy Trinity uh, unless something re- like uh, goes super crazy with the other team's comp. You're going to need tank support and damage dealers, mm-hmm. which will go into maybe. Um, Assault and defense should be one category. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's one of the problems because a lot of the assault characters mm-hmm. are they are very good at assault, but a lot of the defense characters are also very good at assault. I mean, junk look at Junkrat in particular. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be a defense character, but if you put him on the main lines, he's going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we've seen that through multiple times from the Houston Outlaws. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, people no. are deathly afraid of Jake's Junkrat. Oh yeah, flat out. And I mean, I think he has the best Junkrat in the league. Absolutely. Honestly. And I mean, look at the Sombra work we've seen this uh, this stage. Right. I mean, she's a defense category hero, and she's basically an assassin when played by a pro. So that's what something we actually haven't mentioned yet is that you know going into stage three, one of the big changes that happened was the changes to Sombra. Mm-hmm. The buff. And, yeah. yeah, let's go ahead, yeah, yeah, the, go ahead and describe the buff just for the low. audience. Yeah. yeah. So the buff was the. The spread on her machine gun was decreased, mm-hmm. so you know it's a narrower range. Her hack was her hack time was decreased to 0.65 seconds, and I think those were the main buffs. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the only and the other... ultimate, yeah, the ultimate got nerfed a little bit. Yeah, they she no longer gains ultimate charge from people picking up health packs that she's yeah. hacked. It still has all the other benefits, but uh, she was building her ult charge way With, too easily. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a big, big deal coming into stage three because mm-hmm. Sombra, it, the Sombra meta has entered the game, right? Yep. You know, you want to, Muma wants to play that Reinhardt, mm-hmm. but Sombra's going to get in there and hack that shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you know what happens to a Winston when you hack a Winston? He dies. Yeah. He, he, he just dies. Do you know what happens when you hack a tank? Any tank? Any yeah. tank. They die. Well, is he, Reinhardt can swing his hammer and yeah. defend himself. No, Reinhardt still gets owned he because does. I'm not saying he doesn't do die. But, okay, if someone's at half health and he two swings him, they'll die while he's dying. Thing is with a Winston is he just, like... He tickles people. He tickles people. Uh, so, like, when it comes down to... a giant monkey with a feather. When it yeah. comes down as <laughs> a Reinhardt player, when a Sombra is hacking me... How the that combat's gonna unfold is how close was that bitch? Sorry, <laughs> how close was she to my hammer when she hacked me? Exactly. If she's right in my face, you're she gonna, gonna hit in the face. You, you gotta start swinging. Yeah. Exactly, you're gonna yeah. start swinging. Unless she ports away, then you know. <sighs> yeah, yep. it's all for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now we're gonna go ahead and head into week two. So we go against Philly, widely considered one of the hottest teams in the league right now. It was the one that I was predicting to go into the playoffs for Stage 3. And we knew this wasn't going to be an easy match, no matter how big of Outlaws fans we are. Kicking off Week 2, this uh, in, and specifically in this ma- match, Fact Fiction made his debut, and the whole crowd was hyped to see him finally Yeah, new, pl- new player to, to the Houston Outlaws. This is this is this hasn't happened yet, so yeah. new guy. So new, new guy. Tanks. So new he didn't have his own jersey. 
when he came out. I didn't have time to make one up yet. So did he just like arrive for the first time the day before or something? That sounds like a good story. Well, he he had been there, but like he walked out and he didn't have like a fact fiction jersey. It was just like a generic. They had no time to print them because their jerseys actually have a uh, embroider. Yeah. So they have to actually have somebody embroider everything, and that takes a good day or so, depending on. Uh, how you, how where you get it from? Right. Yeah. To that point, not to steer off the yacht loss. I know yeah. you know Gigori or yes. Gigori, She's also a new player. She's mm-hmm. from the. Uh, she's on from, the Shanghai, Shanghai Dragons. Shanghai Dragons mm-hmm. Right. She's been on a few games now. And oh, she really even, helped them out, actually. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> but on the what I've noticed is on the shirt, she still doesn't have her name on it. Yeah. And it's been a few games now that she's been on. See, I think I don't think that they're going to like a local printer for their for their embroidery. I think it's there's a factory that's making them because okay. they they wear them so often. They're gonna need like twenty of these shirts. Yeah. It's the only oh, yeah, shirt so that they wear. Also, every I just day. love Gugari's like relationship with Muma. If you if you do not follow them on Twitter, follow them on Twitter because it's like the most adorable thing in the world. We'll have yeah. the we'll have the links in yeah. the description. Yeah. Well, I mean, any real, I mean, and this comes from back way before Overwatch League, but um, she was the uh, she was the player that everyone confused of cheating when competitive came out, uh, hacking or something. They were like, she's cheating. There's no they way were like, she's that good. It's a girl playing Overwatch. Yeah. Obviously, they yeah. can't be good. And, and th- so she and a couple of pro players said that, all right, we'll videotape you playing. And if you do as well and are obviously not cheating, we will quit. Like they will quit the professional they will, they league. Will, they exactly. will stop playing this game. Yeah, and they did. They did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's so awesome. this is this is a big this is a big heart for her. And yeah. Like, no. I, every Overwatch player loves her. Aside from playing against the Outlaws, every time the Shanghai Dragons come on, I'm just like, you can do it, guys. I believe in you. Take take one map. Take, take one map from yeah. me. Yeah. Like, I think at this different. point, it's like. Yeah, everyone wants them to win a map or we yeah. win a series. I would love for them to play like New York and just like stomp New York out of nowhere. They right? actually um, they got pretty close. They, they they did get I think a map on New York. Nice. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about our match against Philly. Um, we start with Volskaya, and it was really intense. Like both sides score two points, and Houston finally takes the first map. I mean, it's it's so so tight the entire time. So Philly takes Numbani to tie it going into overtime. And at this point, while I was watching the game, I had no clue how this entire match was going to go down. Are we going to come out on top? Is Philly going to come out on top? I had no idea. Then we go into Ilios, and it's Carpe all the time. His Widow is so powerful, and he just locked Houston down, getting both points almost without issue. We managed to come back on Junkertown and go to the tiebreaker map, and we make Philly work for it. Jake's Jake's Pharaoh makes an appearance and it just dominates the field. It goes to 0.5 of map five. How insane is that? I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. No, it's you, amazing. Just got, you were so excited. It was like, yeah. is there more? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we ultimately like do lose and it's technically a loss, but like, do you really walk away from a match that was that good and call it a loss? No, not really. No, that's the that's one of the problems with uh, the Houston Outlaws during the first couple of weeks, and even now into week three. We'll talk about that again in the next episode. Um, that we're getting into the literally the third part of map five. We're, it's mm-hmm. it's neck and neck the entire time, and then losing, and it's just like it's a loss. But that game was dead even the entire game. Like, yeah. come on, you can't it, see it as a loss. It could have gone either way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was down to like 99, I think, to like 85 or something at the yeah, very yeah. end. And it was just going back and forth. And if you've never, if you haven't watched this one, seriously go on the uh, Overwatch League uh, Twitch page and do watch this game because you watch them go back and forth during that map five. Even if you just watch the map five, you know, Muma goes in there and just like starts dominating. And it's just, it goes so back and forth. And you're just going, you are watching high-level Overwatch play here. Yeah. Yes, I understand it's Overwatch League and everybody that's in it is like high-level players. But when you watch that game against Philly, that is pure, amazing Overwatch. Yeah. Them having to react to each other, react to every little pick that's being made. Like, I watched that match against Philly and it was like, like my heart had stopped. I yeah. was just like, holy crap, like, how is this this good? And it says a couple things. It says, one, that, you know, the Outlaws are in it to win it. They're going to try and fight as hard as they can, even when, you know, the situation looks a little bit dire. But it also says Philly's stepping up and saying, we are as good, if not better. And you can't insult them for that because they're trying to rise to the top. They're, they are on top right now. And that's just them showing dominance in the Overwatch League. Yeah, no, uh, Philadelphia, like I said, uh, it was one that I, I, I predicted was going into the Stage 3 uh, finale, and they're well on their way to doing it. And the, the map that they had against, or the stage set, I guess yeah. is the correct word. Sure. I, yeah, we're, we're making it up as we go, right? Yeah. It's, it's new. Um, that set was... Uh, it was it was heart stoppingly exhilarating. Mm-hmm. I now understand uh, sports balls. Like yeah. whenever you get really way too into it, where I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat and just like screaming at the TV, like "Do it! You can do it!" I know they can't hear me, but like I'm excited. I, I want the, I want my team to do the thing and getting that close, getting so close, like just just the, just the tip further, yeah. and you would have nailed it. It's a, it's a discussion that we have often in this apartment and also on our alternate podcast, The Surly Nerd, where we say that, you know, we're not huge sports watchers in our apartment. Yeah, no, we watch not, hockey if it's much. on. I'll go to a live game. I definitely yeah. enjoy live hockey, love live baseball. I like watching or, I love watching uh, Round Rock Express, going yeah. up doing that a couple times a year. And any excuse to get drunk and eat junk food with friends, right? Right, yeah, and no. I love actually going to a sport event. But, like, I just don't sit at home and watch sports the way that my family does, right? Yeah. You know, come Thanksgiving, everybody's sitting there, like, around the table fucking watching sports. And, mm-hmm. you know, the World Series happens. And I've never been that person. Right. And now I am here in the in the Overwatch League, and we do these watch parties here in Austin, and we're all like sitting there eating and drinking and like hanging out and like we're literally drinking and eating junk food. Like yeah. we are, <laughs> but it's like at some point we had to stop ourselves and look around the room at this room full of you know seventy eighty people and go crap, we're sports people now. Yeah, and we're going to need a bigger room. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Actually, we're in the biggest room they have now. <laughs> yeah, nice. So we're going to need an even bigger room to hold all of the Outlaws fans because, holy crap, are there so many. Uh, one of the things I have to say here is that I know that we are biased because we are Outlaws fans, but if you ever listen to the crowd when the Outlaws come out in the OWL stadium... Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's crazy. They're a beloved team. There's no reason to hate a team like the Houston Outlaws. Yeah, I think they're the team with the most... Personality, I think. Yeah, they do have a lot of personality. Yeah, every single one of them has so much personality. And again, I know we're biased, we're huge fans, but like, I love you know all the OWL teams. I do like watching them come out and watch them perform mm-hmm. and watch the high level of gameplay that they bring. Where I sit there and watch them and go, damn, I wish I was that good. But seriously, when the Houston Outlaws come out, just next time when you're watching the Houston Outlaws play, listen to the crowd when they come out. 
everybody goes nuts. And even the announcers mention it. They're like, for whatever reason, like the Houston Outlaws seem to capture the hearts of everybody who watches them. And that's so amazing. I think it's the Texas Outlaw spirit. It's it it's is, the it's just the name itself just gives everybody that like, yeah, we're gonna overcome everybody else because everybody else is part of like an, an a uh uh, a corporation, a, a, an identity, a thing, and the outlaws are separate from that. They're a different thing that's not that because the name of it. They're and literally to me, outlaws. Well, yeah, they're <laughs> the outlaws. Let's bring it back to what we said at the very beginning of this podcast, though, right? That at the st- beginning of stage one, we were the underdogs. Yeah. Nobody thought we, we were, were the outlaws <laughs> yeah. going yeah. into Go stage 18 one. maps without a it loss. Was the big upset, I think, for that. For that uh, season, not season, right, that stage. stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is that we we're earned. still new to the terminology. It's, yeah, it's right. but we, I, we was, watching watching OWL. Actually, they screw up the uh, the, the names of things all the time. Oh, yeah. I was watching uh, one of the maps the other day. So it wasn't Houston wasn't playing. I was just watching it for funs, mm-hmm. and uh, the and one of the announcers, the guys who actually like commentate on the show, was talking about a player on one of the characters who was not playing that character and wasn't even in that game. And he's like, he's like, he stopped him after like a minute of him talking. He's like that. That's not a person that that's he's, he's off this get match and you're talking about a different, he doesn't even play those characters either way. So you're completely wrong on all of this. Hey, you know what? We are a brand new podcast here and we don't know all the terminology. So think about all the announcers. They have to like have the, they have to know the names of every single player. So that's Mm -hmm. at least, 10 players per team Mm -hmm. and what the characters they play as all the time and the kind of strategies they do because I mean that's their job yeah that's that's a hell of a job, I and mean, that's, 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 that's complicated. The, the abilities of each character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they also have to know that. the game really well. Yeah. I most of us, I we kind of have nicknames for abilities. Like everybody calls Winston Mon- uh, Winston Monkey. Monkey. Yeah, that's Monkey. just that's the common thing. But I have different names I call the Ultimates because in my mind that's how I remember it. Yeah. and exactly. I, I would not be a good announcer. I would never be a good no- no. announcer. And so, at all. The, I do want to talk a little bit about that because one of the things that the Overwatch League has done very well, as opposed to to a lot of the esports that, uh, that currently exist, is they've managed to boil the actual casting of it mm-hmm. to what I call the John Madden method. And the John Madden method is something that people make fun of because what John Madden did when he was talking about football was boil it down so that whenever you are watching a game that he is the caster for, he will explain football to you in the dumbest terms. He will. Mm-hmm. If you're an eight-year-old who's just watching football for your first time with your family and trying to understand it, he he explained it in a way that an eight-year-old got it. Right. <laughs> and so people made fun of him a lot because they were like, obviously we know that they're supposed to be getting the ball across the line and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, there's the famous, there's the famous like joke that everybody makes about John Madden. Like, you gotta get the ball behind the, the field goal to make the points on the scoreboard. Right, but what John Madden? <laughs> okay, I think I just right. went a yeah, little no, Bill Cosby. Well, why on that. is he Cosby? <laughs> That's mean. So but the the point that I'm trying to make is that when John Madden would make those kind of calls, he isn't trying to cater to high level football play. Right, he's playing. He's casting for that eight-year-old who's trying to understand the game that wants to get into the game and bring everybody into the game and that's what the announcer in the in the owl are doing they're starting to get there whenever yeah. it first started the first stage was very not that yeah. it was very hard to get into because 
they they didn't know that they needed to dumb everything down. They right. didn't needed to go, do and, and overhead way, saying, shots saying, and really it, like right on the screen to right. show you where things are going right. to happen. Calling it dumbing it down seems well to like, them. It's dumbing it down, right? But that's but what to I mean. us. We're like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. You went into the Overwatch <laughs> League knowing barely anything about Overwatch. I played in like the beta and went, I don't like this. It's not Halo. Right, <laughs> but then you sat down and watched Overwatch League and said, I understand this now because they did, air quotes, dumb it down for you. Yeah, it took them a little while to get to that point, though. It did. It took a lot of my own research and playing sure. it to figure out what they were talking about. Um, but now, as they've gone on, now that they're in stage three, I notice a lot more of the camera angles are doing the spectator mode. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to see the action aside from the characters. If you're on Tracer... She runs back and forth so fast, just teleporting all over the place. You don't know what's going on. It no, is yeah. confusing, and I don't like it. Following her on screen is annoying. But following her, a Widow... Following yeah, Widow is cool better, because yeah. it's like... Following Widow is fun. Willow is fun. It's literally just watching a master painter just like do one brush stroke, and you're like, oh, that's how the piece comes together. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want to kind of put a pin in this discussion, but seriously, like watching the OWL announcers really break down the moment to moment is so important and yes the dumbing down is important to get as many people watching as possible because mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to watch something like League of Legends or Dota I would never even know the new you start. have no clue Sorry. what's, Zero going, idea what's on. going on the, 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 the TI every year for Dota they had to create a beginner stream where they had a different set of announcers um, not use uh not use any like um, in game like, terms. In, no in game terms. Right. No, no like, hard terminology. Act, right. No at, no, no uh, shortening of like a black king bar. Everyone they, they just call it a BKB on the stream. That doesn't make sense to anybody who doesn't mean? know, what, know what, what that, that is. is. Right. So they would not only call it out like by name, but it, and it, like Burger King Burger is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> then explain what it does and why that character would want to buy that item in this situation, which is extremely fucking complicated. Right, but that's the important thing that the Overwatch League is doing is they are breaking it down so that people can. They're get learning. Into they're it. they're getting more. They e they're getting more ESPNified, and yeah. that's something I do like it's about good. where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and get us into our final fight fight in week two which is the outlaws versus the nyxl Ooh, this game and that was a tough fight oh, to go into because new york has really been able to take houston down almost every time they face each other so we go into volskaya again right for whatever reason volskaya is just a map that texas loves yeah and this is personal bias but i believe that we love volskaya here in texas <laughs> it is a great map and Volskaya gets tied 2-2. Right. Linkser and Libero are having a widow off. And Linkser just shuts the entire NYXL down. And then New York ties it up before overtime by dominating Blizzard World. So Blizzard World shows back up. We think that we're the strong in Blizzard. Uh, the, we could take Blizzard World down. Mm -hmm. New York shows up and goes, nope. It's Again, ours. it's because nobody knows what to do on Blizzard World. Everybody's right. strategy is so different. If you change one thing, it will completely screw up your defense or offense. Like mm. you just like I don't know how to com combat this one thing. Mm -hmm. Like imagine like if, if if tomorrow one of the teams on Blizzard World decided to say like, okay, well here we're just gonna do quad quad tanks. We're running four tanks, yeah, and then watch every, watch the other team go. I don't know how to attack or defend this. No, like, I'm, wall, I'm just now. confused. Yeah, because it nobody had done it yet, so they don't know how to respond to it. It's true, and th that's one of the reasons that it's such like a show to watch the two of them fight each other. Watching the Outlaws in New York go head to head, no matter the outcome. Much like I was talking about London, it's a it's a bloodbath. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody is out for blood when those two teams fight each other. Like, in my mind, it's it's Philadelphia uh, and New York and London are my three favorite teams to watch Houston play against. Because it's just, it goes it goes all the way to map five. It's neck and neck. It's just it's just crawl like just scraping for those points and watching both teams just try as hard as they can. So Houston gets their control point on again at Nepal and Jake's rip tire comes back in at full force, just wiping New York out to get map three. And I'm not even talking about like a tiny rip tire. I mean, this was a like four person rip tire followed up by, I think it was like a two person, like a uh, high noon. Ooh, it was just like, team kill. It was yeah. just like wipe the team at that point. It was just destroyed. They just destroyed New York. Nothing feels better as, yeah. as, as a junk rat main to just go, I killed your entire team. With <laughs> 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 the rip tire. <laughs> and then New York manages to take Route 66, which I personally feel like isn't maybe our strongest map. I don't no, think it's we, anyone's actually, no, uh, Houston is very, very bad at Route 66. Yeah, yeah no, if everyone's stats on that is they've lost most of Route 66. I think yeah, they've won they've once. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it was one, no, out, of, one that, out of five the last time I saw the stats for it. No, every, everyone hates that map. Back when they were doing I think Pro it's a fun before, map. before Overwatch League, pros would not pick that map ever for like competitive play. They, they hated it. The, the, the choke points are weird. The curving S's. It's way too open. It definitely which, seems like it, it, hever, it favorly, heavily favors Farah. Jesus Christ, trying to get that fucking out. Yeah, unless the other team has a Widow. And then once you have that countered and crossed, everything is just a fight But in like the a very forever. respectable pharmacy can take down you know Route 66 on defense, right? Like, if the other team doesn't know how to react to a pharmacy, like, she's got the advantage for at least two out you're, of three you're points. You're saying pharmacy. That's, that's right. a place where you get medicine. Right, right, but you're talking about... about right. You're oh, talking about a fairy... Yeah, fairy mercy combo where there's... Yeah. Well, so some of our p- listeners don't know what okay. we're talking you're about. Right. You can't say yeah, BKB because yeah. that just means <laughs> that's true. Burger King Burger. We are not that show. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like it is the combination of Farah plus Mercy, right? And it's for those first two points. If mm-hmm. somebody doesn't know how to react to that combination, you can shut the other team down. Well, easily. absolutely. But you're talking about pro players uh, with godlike games. So if you have on the same team a Widow and a Soldier seventy six, Pharmacy's going down. That's true. That yep. is true. Unless Winston can step it up and then just right. get in their face, and you know. Because the problem with the pharmacy on Route sixty six is that the air is completely open. There's nothing for them to hide behind. They can't duck behind like a tall building mm-hmm. or an outcropping like they can on a map like Volskaya or Eichenwald, where they can just move behind a wall. Right. Everything is just open and flat. That is true. Yeah, I think after the second point. Farah just loses her value. Yeah, that completely. Map. Oh yeah, yeah that's the second was, point. It's close. Second yeah. point. There's yeah. literally no reason to play. Absolutely not. Switch over to Genji or Tracer or literally anything, literally any other character but aside from Symmetra. Surprise Bastion. Surprise Bastion. Surprise is Bastion. So New York manages to take Route 66 to tie it all up, and we have another game that goes to Map 5. So we're sensing a trend here, right, in Week 2. Yeah. And there's more huge rip tires from Jake. In fact, they were so big that it forced Pine to swap to Farah just to get in Jake's face and turn the tide over to New York's favor. But just like with Philly, we're going to the tiebreaker on the tiebreaker map. Both sides, two points each, Everybody's fighting for a win. You can call this match a lot of things, but boring is not one of them. Oh yeah. no, it was it was re- 
ridiculously exciting. Again, I'm getting tired of this being on the edge of my seat. Thing. I, sometimes I just want a team to win and, and not have relax. to, and just like, oh, look, it's a good game. We, we beat the crap out of them. I don't like. I, I enjoy the heart pounding action, but not every map, guys. Like, <laughs> no, in my like, the maps. way I see it is like because you're talking about like these. We've lost these maps, like mm-hmm. or matches. I just and when you look at our standings, where we started at and it was much higher up, and then we've gone down. There should be claw marks on the fucking screen <laughs> because we barely gone down. Like, going down, we should see this the, the anger in like the car- the players' hands just like yeah. clawing downwards just because they're getting pushed. Well, and even the just, OWL, so hard. Even the OWL like, announcers yeah. have been saying that like, yes, Houston's been losing, but like, look who they're up against. Uh huh. There are matchups when you when you, when you turn on OWL the three days out of the week that it's on and you look at the matchup. There are a lot of them where you can just tell who's going to win. No, um, it you know that or maybe two really high level teams are playing and you're like, ooh, I'd like to watch that. But after two games, you're like, I know which team is gonna do- is is dominating already. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone playing China, you know who's going to win. But. Every time Houston plays, I mean, they could be playing Florida and lose a map, and you're like, what the hell's going on? Or they'll, like, you know, completely dominate, like, Seoul Dynasty, and you're like, what the hell just happened? You never know what's going to happen when Seoul, who was, like, supposed to be, like, on top for, like, so long. Yeah, they were on top for so long. Yeah. So we're going into this uh, map five, and Pine and Jonak and Sayobi just like run the last map. Mecco Mecco cleans up on his diva, and New York manages to finish Houston off. It was a hell of a week for the Outlaws, and even with the losses, I mean, I want to know what the panel thinks about the matches in week two. Like, seriously, let's start with Tony. Yeah, I was saying, it's literally, it's, it's claw marks on the scoreboard. We're just, we're, we're going down, but we are putting up such a fight that the other teams know that we, we mean business. Like, yeah, we're not going to be in the top three during stage three, but everybody that we've played against knows that we could very easily just lift couple of minor changes be in the top two teams and, and they know that and they have to be, I think they're they afraid be, of us yeah they're afraid they have yeah. they've been all been kind of put on notice or whatever and like Houston is going to come back at some point yeah. and beat the living crap out of them absolutely I mean that week was it was a lot of joy and a lot of heartbreak I think the biggest compliment I can ever give to a game of overwatch uh, OWL is me already knowing the score, looking at it, and then going back and watching the game if I missed it live. Uh, that you know, I just take the time to go and do it all by myself. You know, not with a group of people or anything. It went to map five. I probably need to watch that. Yes, and Houston does that to me a lot. So I mean, yeah. And then if I see like you know a, a you know a, a scoreboard with five points on it and with Houston in there, I'm gonna watch every one of those maps because that's gonna be a good time. A lot of the a lot of the other teams that when they play each other, it's it's. It's three one four zero. Yeah. When Houston plays anybody, it or that plays the top, it is it's it's five five to last map possible. Mm-hmm. It is such a stressful game and but so enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. that uh, it's uh, it's to a different level. I don't know. It's the level of enjoyment that I get out of it is kind of is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all just go at it. I think because Houston just got up there in stage 1 like that turned everyone's heads like no one was expecting it what? and because yeah because of that <laughs> yeah. reason i think their matches got harder because the other teams weren't just practicing they were sort of practicing to beat Houston you know or to yeah. beat those top teams mm-hmm. and you know you, 
it just gets harder. It honestly seems like a lot of what's been going on in stage two and three, and this is just my personal opinion, but I do want you to discuss this a little bit. Mm-hmm. It seems like Houston was so dominant out of nowhere during stage one, a lot more teams started hunkering down and going, we need to figure out how to beat these guys. Exactly, yeah. And because their main roster was uh, the same, like, I think, seven guys. Yeah. They would swap out, like, Boink and, and Bonnie or um, one of the DPS. I think because of that, it was easier to study each player and then how they play together. But now with these new additions, with this, which is Fact Fiction, and then the new one coming on that hasn't played yet, uh, Aron. Uh, Aron. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced yet. Yeah, so we'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, with him, like no one's you know seen him play within the team. So I think with those two additions, uh, Fact Fiction already played. One Fact Fiction's we'll, played we'll a couple later. of times. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in the next show. Yeah, but he's yeah, at yeah. least played once during yeah. uh, stage just, w- or week one and well, two. Well, he did come in during this uh, second week against Philly. He okay. Yeah, but I'll just yeah. leave it at that. He's a more aggressive tank, and I, I don't think you know that's a big difference between like for. him and Muma. Yeah, like yeah, he's exactly. more aggressive. Yeah, he's a more aggressive uh, right. main tank, and I mean I think those two additions will definitely help. Okay, so I think the one thing that you can take away from these first two weeks of stage three is that Houston really refuses to go down without a fight. So that wraps up everything for our Houston recap, but we've got a little bit more show for you this week. Um, Actually, what we're going to do is talk about our player of the week, and this isn't just a who played the best, but we're going to do kind of a getting to know you section of the outlaws. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about the Jake Rad himself, Jake Lyon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I figured that was the it's best. He's one of my favorites. He's yeah. one of my favorites. So Jake is not just an outlaw, but he's also represented the USA during the 2017 World Cup for Overwatch. Yeah, that was that was definitely something that he did. And unlike some of the, <laughs> he was in that team, yeah. <laughs> unlike some of the other players on the Outlaws, Jake really got his his main entry into his esports through Overwatch. So he was mostly known in the OWL for his Junkrat, which a lot of people would say honestly changed the meta of Overwatch in a very drastic way. Yeah, no, um, he started playing. This is his first uh, pro game. Um, He was in high school whenever the game was coming out. So it was way before he had the ability to become a pro gamer. Um, And he kind of he fell in love with the game before it was even released. And now uh, he's created a meta within uh, within Overwatch as a whole, let's talk about that, that for didn't a second. exist before. Let's talk about that meta that he created. How did he create it? What is it? And what happened because of it? It's it's Junkrat. It's Junkrat as the anti dive. It's the because dive took over yeah. once once Reinhardt got nerfed. Um, you had Winston j- uh, jumping in. You had uh, Diva boosting in Diva things. Diva thinging in, <laughs> and you had everybody kind of just jumping onto a an area at once to lay claim to it. Winston would throw down his bubble, everybody else would go like land inside of it and would claim that area, dive right in, and Junkrat could stop that so easily because you see him jumping in, he's like, yeah, you're in the air. I'm just nailing you as you're coming in. You have so much health taken out already that you don't want to be there. You can't stay there. You have to immediately retreat. And going into the, and going into stage one, Junkrat wasn't considered a meta pick, right? Like no, he, he, he was, wasn't, and I don't know if it was before stage one or after, but he used to have only one concussion mind, mine at Correct. some point. So it was just mm-hmm. one, right? And so he didn't counter as many heroes. With the second concussion mind, it was a big buff. So it was before. It was actually. I think it was before, before uh, league. Stage, it was before league started. Before it started, um, right? Before yeah. Before yeah. So at that point, he was already you know pretty buffed. So he could take out. Almost any character. I mean, including a Pharah. He could just get up there and then just throw mines it's, at her. 
it is kind of it is very hard to hit Farah in certain maps when she's yeah, yeah. way up in the oh, sky. Yeah. <laughs> as as a junkrat main, it is very annoying dealing with a really <laughs> high up there Farah because she will just pummel me to death. And that's why Muma just jumps on them. Yeah, then that's oh, yeah. the great thing about having about having a monkey around. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. have monkey just jump up and like go go after flying girl because <laughs> um, I'm tired of getting hit. Yeah, yeah. I've actually gotten up like playing me playing as Winston and managed to actually like punch a pharaoh in the face. <laughs> it, was, it was so gratifying. I, I really I hope it. you record it because I want to see it. <laughs> so, but Jake's not just Jake's junk rat is awesome. He actually has a wide selection of DPSs that's actually pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, no, um, he's he's getting better at Tracer as uh, Stage 3 is going on because um, it honestly was not the best before. Soldier, his soldiers is top-notch. He's yeah. amazing. Unfortunately, I want to see more of his Genji. Unfortunately, really like uh, Gen- Genji, he's okay with. Genjake is what I call it. Genjake is good. Gen-Jake. I like that. He's, he's Jake be- Rat and Genjake. Yeah, uh, he's getting better with Genji. Um, he's getting better with Tracer. His soldier, unfortunately, Jake's is not uh, part of the meta right now. Yeah. and I think Soldier needs a couple little buffs to him to make him viable within tournament play. Because um, soldier not there right is now. universal but situational, which is weird to say. Yeah, like, like it's really hard to buff a character who's v- so generic. He's so he's so well balanced. <laughs> he's a yeah, Call that's of the Duty. thing. Soldier, <laughs> yeah. is a, soldier is the uh, the meat and potatoes. I mean, you can always put he's him there. Doomed. He can he's always Call of Duty. He's exactly, literally every yeah. first person shooter as a character. <laughs> when it comes to the meta, when it comes to your composition, you there's always room for a soldier there on the plate with all your stuff. But maybe you my don't friends want in the military and I love that line. There's always room for a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Um, here's my Overwatch like weird fan theory, and I finally get to put it out there to the internet because this has been like in my head for so long. So one of the reasons that Soldier is the old man soldier that we see in the game, mm-hmm. and not the younger soldier that you see in the flashbacks and everything, mm-hmm. is that because of his skill set, he essentially represents the old school way of doing FPSs. Like him being an old man is like basically the game telling you like. If you play this character, you are playing an FPS from ten years ago. I dig it. Yeah, right. no, it's 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 one of the reasons why sense. I play Soldier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons I played. I do DPS because I I hopped on a Soldier and was like, oh, I understand this. And oddly, because I was playing Destiny Two, and Destiny Two, it, there was a little mini meta where you had to shoot grenade launchers, and I went from playing a game where I primarily shot grenade launchers to Overwatch. And it just made sense. And, like, that's why you choose these characters. Oh, look, these are the two things that I like. All right, to bring this back into Overwatch, I really want to know what the panel thinks. Uh, why do you think that Jake's performance on the Outlaws is such a pivotal one? Why is it so important to the team? I think aside from just, you know, being a good Junkrat and good DPS player, his um, his presence in the team as a whole, I mean, it looks like he's very outspoken, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, he's boosting the morale as well for the team and i think that's just a very important part because to some at some point it becomes a mind game you know five games in four games in you know whoever has the most morale up there or is just the more solid will more than likely win and we've been seeing that kind of in stage three is that he's not been playing junk rat and then he'll bust at that junk rat right at the very end to do things like just like Mm -hmm. get a four kill on new york and you're just like yeah, and morale's I think also boosted gives, now. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. It's also just uh, everyday morale because these guys are around each other all the time, and you can see that this uh, with the outlaws as a whole, and Jake is part of that. They like each other. Yeah, they're they're sure. friends. They have fun. They're friends with people from other teams, but other teams aren't the same type of friends the Houston Outlaws are. Right. I mean, they post pictures of themselves, uh, you know, on Twitter and Instagram. Going to Costco. By, yeah, going and, to Costco and like stocking up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where you can see that the team. 
uh, the team gets along in their personalities. They mesh well, which is why they've been succeeding and go and playing as hard as they have been. And they're there to back each other up whenever something goes wrong. That is, I think that Jake is a huge part of that. Um, there, uh, you can watch the uh, during the focus. You can see that everybody's personality works really well. And Jake's there, and he's like, "Yeah, no, this is what we do. This is how we play together. We like to do this. We like hanging around each other." They say that they like whenever uh, they get done playing. So they've been playing like for eight hours a day as practice. Whenever they're not doing match days, that they'll go over to Jake's apartment and watch more game footage from other teams so they can pick that apart as well and even their own footage and just so they can all like compare notes and see how they're doing it's they all go to Jake's house like yeah. that's that's kind of cool yeah. I want to go yeah. to Jake's house right. jeez Jake invite me you, you can go to Jake's house but you have to watch film you have to watch tape uh, like that's a film you have to watch that's, like that's you have to watch the game that's I'm it yeah, maybe funny. eat some Doritos with Linkser yeah. Okay, I'm gonna eat some Doritos and Links here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna curl up with Muma, and we're just gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> so, uh, Hector. So to bring the question back around, why do you think that Jake's role in the team is so pivotal? Why is it so important? Well, um, we've already talked about his, you know, his having a you know great positive personality that keeps the team going, and I mean he plays. He plays glory characters, he plays DPS characters, and he plays them really well. So he yeah. gets a chance to shine. And when the really positive person, the guy who gets morale up, uh, makes, you know, a four-person kill, that's a super boost. You know, it, you could have the best person, you know, the, the most likable person on the team, but if they're, you know, flying around being mercy and, you know, healing people up, it's like, oh, great job, you healed like seven people. And, of course, it's... Thanks for wrestling me. I got to go do more things. Right, of course, it's <laughs> it's difficult. And being a support person, I know that we don't get all the thanks that we deserve all of the time, not most of the time or some of the time, all of the time. But it helps that he is who he is and that he does what he does in the team role. And that's what makes him as good as he is. All right. So as we close down this section on Jake, question, final question for the panel on Jake, why do we love him so much as a player for the outlaws? Tony, let's start with you. Junkrat. I love Junkrat. Let's no, no. Tony (laughs) has to take a moment to tell his personal story here as if he was telling it to Jake. I would never tell him this story. You told him this story very quickly. And I don't like that. Uh, I, because of Overwatch League, you put it on one day, yeah. and uh, or when it, the first day it started, and first you're like, day. "We're gonna watch the Houston Outlaws." You'd already show me like the logo, and I was like, "Cool, hope they're not bad," because I like the logo, and that's all I cared about. And we're from like, Houston. It was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll watch a couple of games." And watching it started with Linkser. It started with Linkser just widow sniping everybody out of the sky, and then I started noticing Jake on Junkrat. And I kind of fell in love with Junkrat. I was just, you went from a person who had never really enjoyed Overwatch or d- didn't think it was a good game. Yeah, I was just like, hey, it's not Halo. It's not. It's not ever. It's not the. the it's generic not generic FPS. First, it's not a first-person shooter. Right. It's got all these weird uh, rules, uh, characters that do different things that I don't like. Yeah. And. And and it took me a it took me a little bit to get used to that. Mm-hmm. And once I saw Jake play Junkrats, I I was like, oh my god, this is this is so much fun. I, uh, I have he to do, is your inspiration, yeah. Because I came from Destiny, where I played a character class where you basically slam the ground and destroy everything around you. It's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and other teams really hate you when you do that. <laughs> and I went, oh, this game has something like that from another game that I like. Yep. And then I started doing. I, I I decided I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy the game it's on sale i'm gonna pick it up i'm gonna start playing this 
I started playing as Junkrat, and you'll attest to, like, the first time I got play of the game for coming out, and I was like, I just got a four-man kill with a rip tire on my, like, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. How did I do this? How does this game work? What's going on? Like, it was so good. I loved it, and I still love it. And it was because of watching him play this character that nobody else honestly gave a shit about. He inspired you to play Junkrat, but he inspired you to play Overwatch. Yes, yeah. And that that thing that's that, that thing is really cool. It's like yeah, that'd be a lot cooler if it was like twelve year olds that are going to go on to be esports stars. <laughs> but no, you get middle aged guys who, who just want to want to want to shoot some other people in the face sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hector, what about you? What do you love about Jake so much? Uh, I mean, have you seen that smile? Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 like seriously, like complete man. Not even going man. to his gameplay. No, just, no, no. I've already talked about his gameplay and his personality and all those things are great. But man, he is adorable. I just, you know, I, I like to watch him do what he does. Like, he got his 21st birthday, like, while during Overwatch League, or right before Overwatch League yeah. started. So, yeah. like, that's that's kind of awesome. So you can take him out for drinks sometimes, Hector. You I know, would like. love to. Jake, I hope you listen. Yeah. I mean, more or, le- more or less along the same lines, you know, no homo. Uh, <laughs> no, it's completely but, acceptable yeah, to or, uh, or homo, you know. Yeah, either way, yeah, yeah. Uh, completely. But yeah, acceptable. I mean, he seems like a cool guy to hang out with, you know, aside from playing and just. Being on a team with him, I think it's just a great, you know. Yeah. I could never, I could never play on a team with him. We're both DPS guys. Like I can't, I can't work with him. <laughs> you can I can't do DPS. that. I can't, you just can't play. I can't. Junker, I just can't I can't snipe. That was my, that's my problem. I can't snipe. You I'm not Genji. good at sniping. I think that we've we've touched a lot of the bases here. I mean, honestly, Jake has been a, a great motivational force for the team. You can always tell that he's having a good time, uh, even when like a game goes badly. He's very open and candid about it. He even like has gone on Twitter after a loss and been like, I feel like that loss was my fault. Mm. Like I feel like I was not performing to the level that I needed to be performing at. And yes, the internet comes out and says, no, you did great. You did awesome, blah, blah, blah. But there is something to be said about a player who's willing to take personal responsibility for something like that and say, I need to try and improve my game at each and every turn. And I think that's what Jake brings to the team. And that's what he encourages with everybody else around him. He inspires the rest of the team in a way to make sure that everybody is better players. And I feel like that way about most of the outlaws. And in fact, all of them is they all really do try to inspire each other to be better players. And, Jake just happens to be at the forefront of that. You know, obviously in stage one, he was able to kill it with his junk rat. And since then, he's been building on it and building on it and building on it. And he realized he can't be a one-trick pony. He's got to get in there and he's got to be adaptable. And he's got to get in there and, like, really do damage and, and be there for his team the way that a lot of other players don't do. Yeah. Other teams that will remain nameless are so worried about everybody being a hero and not everybody working together as a team. Correct. And... That's one of the reasons that we love the Outlaws so much. So as our show comes to a close, I'd like to take a minute just to talk about the Lone Star Vanguard, which is our Overwatch team here in Austin. Yes. Uh, well, it's kind of it's kind of Texas's team. It is yeah. a, a Texas team. It is. Yeah. I mean, Dallas it, it, doesn't it, it have is, one, so it's Texas's team. Austin-based Houston fan team. Yes, is what we are. Yes. I mean, and Dallas capital. doesn't have so one. Yeah, we're yeah. the capital of Texas, and Dallas doesn't have any of this. So we are the only Texas. So we are Texas's. It's kind of hard to be a Dallas fan. <laughs> <laughs> so our Overwatch team got to play this weekend against the New York Excel support team. So our watch party played their watch party, and their watch party is called the Five Deadly Venoms. We had a really intense match against them in the supporter series, and both teams played amazingly. 
And we managed to raise money for charity, you know, for our respective charities. So New York had a charity. Yep. We had a charity. It was great. So a lot of money was raised. And I did want to say a special thank you to the Five Deadly Venoms crew and, of course, to our very own Lone Star Vanguard for being able to put on such an awesome show for the fans and for charity. And a special thank you to Optic Games for hosting us for the event. That's everything that we have for this week's episode of The Outlaws Outpost. If you want to send us your love for The Outlaws to read on air, send it over to... At the Surly Nerd is our Twitter account, or we can. What's the what's the what's the the Vanguard's uh, Twitter account? I forgot it already. Outlaws Fan ATX. Yeah, so if you want to message them as well, because they're they're part of this too. I mean, we're we're part of that group. Um, yeah, send either one of us a message or tag us both in a thing. I think that's a thing you do on Twitter. Um, we have uh, info the silly nerd is our email address. Go ahead and send us that. Facebook.com slash the silly nerd is where we um, post things about this show and our main podcast, which is about nerd news. Uh, every we do that every week. We do this one bi weekly. Um, we actually have it now set up where you can stream this episode on Facebook. So if you're like at work or whatever, and you don't have access to like your po- your phone or whatever, you can get on Facebook and listen to us there. Um, that's an option. Um, that yeah, I'm just gonna go ahead and end it there. Done with it. I'm All done right, with that's it. That's great. And if you live in the Austin area, please come out to our watch parties. We would love to meet fellow Outlaws fans. Until next week, heroes. For Tony, this is James. For James, this is Tony. I'm Hector, and this is Noe. Heroes. Good night. And good game. <laughs>